Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the podcast for anyone who's ever felt the nagging frustration of wondering if her life is too small, too boring, or too ordinary to make a difference. We're here to explore the surprising ways that cultivating ordinary life leads to extraordinary stories. I'm Lisa Joe, tea drinker, lawyer in another life, and South African by birth, if you're wondering about the accent. I have three very loud kids, a husband who's never run through an airport to stop me getting on a flight, and I write about how to love your middle, the years and the muffin top both. And I'm Christy. Once upon a time, I got my PhD in English Lit, planning on a particular kind of life. But a few years later, I traded the classroom for a picket-fenced garden and an old farmhouse. Today, I write books, books about the beauty of the ground beneath my feet, I also grow zucchini my four kids refuse to eat. As always, we are recording out in Pennsylvania at Christie's 100-year-old farmhouse called Maplehurst. That's currently covered in scaffolding because of all the places it's falling apart. (laughs) Don't forget the holes in the porch. I know, and the smell of mushroom farms and manure. Right, because when we say out of the ordinary, we mean it. Our friendship, this farmhouse, and all our conversations grew out of small, ordinary, everyday moments. Because really, the truth is that everything big starts small. Get comfy. Here we go. So it was a shocker when I arrived yesterday. I'm not going to lie. When I pulled up at Maplehurst and I pulled around your driveway to where the black barn is being painted and I got out of my car, walked past the barn and where the vegetable garden should have been... There was just a huge pile of the broken down pieces of your white picket vegetable garden fence. And the vegetable garden itself was just decimated. It just looks like a big open lot. I know. And there was spray paint on the lawn where you are literally going to pave paradise (laughs) to put down a parking lot. I mean, I'm quoting the song. I can't believe it's it's happening. I was, it was visceral for me. I wanted to go up and hug those fence posts and say, I'm so sorry. (laughs) What have they done to you? I actually ran out of the house, not only to greet you, but also because I felt like I needed, well, no, I felt like I needed to be there to reassure you, (laughs) to comfort me. (laughs) And I was, I was worried thinking maybe I should have pre-warned you about what to expect. That's right, because just the day before, Jonathan and I, with the help of our boys and even little Elsa got in on it, we tore down, I mean, with chainsaws and a machete. So let's just say if you are new to the podcast, if you're coming (laughs) in on this episode, you need to go back to episode one, because in episode one, we talk about... We really describe this place where we record every week. This is Maplehurst. It's a hundred-year-old farmhouse. And Christy has lovingly, over the course of the last six or seven years, grown the most fantastic vegetable garden. It is huge. By the end of the summer, you're afraid to go in there. You think the vegetables will eat you. (laughs) It's so massively lush and rich and fertile and vibrant. All the vegetables for salads are coming out of the garden always. I mean, it is a staple. It's a staple of Maplehurst, that vegetable garden. It's also part of the DNA, I think, of the place. It's part of, you know, the character. And so in that first episode, we talk about how important that vegetable garden Mm -hmm. is, how it originated in a handful of grass seeds she was growing back in her college days Mm -hmm. in Chicago. And now here she is with this vegetable garden. So 
it's almost a member of the family here. <laughs> That's right. So when I pulled in and it was destroyed, I, I mean, so I'm excited to hear you explain this because I've heard the short version, but I'm still trying <laughs> to get on board with it <laughs> because it is a sense of loss. It's true. The vegetable garden was the first thing we did here. It was, it was the very first way that we shaped this place and made our mark on this place. I feel like over the years that we've lived here, our dreams have, our dreams for the place and what God intends for the place have like grown. Like the invitations that you sense yes. God giving you, which yeah. we just talked about in our last They've episode seven. And, and taken us in new directions. And when we arrived, we had just these very small, although they didn't feel small, to me, and I didn't experience right. them as small, but they, we just had these very small, concrete dreams. We wanted a vegetable garden. Mm -hmm. We wanted chickens. So we started with the vegetable garden. Mm -hmm. uh, over the winter, we prepared the ground and brought in uh, mushroom mulch from the local mushroom farms. So the vegetable garden was the first thing we did. And the spot we chose for it was, I think, almost chosen for us. It had been the site of another garden. The previous owner had also had a garden there, but a, a much smaller garden just dug straight into the ground, no raised beds or anything. So we got ambitious and we dreamed of a big vegetable garden surrounded by a white picket fence mm. and an arbor that I would grow roses over. And that dream, it was realized. It was so beautiful. <laughs> I remember walking through the roses and feeling like I was in a storybook. I mean, it, it felt like an illustration out of one of Tasha Tudor's oh, it did. children's book. You know, Tasha. Time to Keep. I felt yeah. like I was stepping into a storybook when I would enter that vegetable garden. And it's hard for me to even conceive of what would make you uproot it. Mm -hmm. what, could, what could possibly take yes, its place? Especially, you know, my husband was the one out there doing the really hard work of getting the fence panels out of the ground. And he was the one who had cut and shaped each picket oh by gosh. hand. It's like pulling up your children by the roots. It I really was. I kept checking it. in with him saying, was he okay? Are you okay? Are you sad? He was okay. And he was not sad. And here's why. This is the story. <laughs> we are putting in a party lot. <laughs> so it's like not even a romantic comeback. I know no, it's so great. We're it, putting in a parking lot. <laughs> It is what it is. Literally. When, when I told the day before we were going to begin the work of tearing it out, and I we told our kids at the dinner table, okay, tomorrow we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lisa Joe, if you cannot, could have seen oh no, I believe the it. horror no, on I, their faces. I'm not going to tell my son, Micah, you did this. You're going to tell <laughs> him next time we come. I'm too scared to tell him. So these are children. So my, it was my older two, especially my 15-year-old and my 12-year-old, who do not ever step foot in that garden <laughs> unless I beg them, please bring me some tomatoes for our salad or right. something. They never set foot in there. My younger children are sometimes more helpful, but the older two, no, they have better things to do apparently. <laughs> but they were disturbed. Really? My oldest actually at first kept saying, kept repeating, this is a joke, right? You're joking. This is a joke because she couldn't believe it. Right. So why in the world would we do this? Over the past year or two, we have slowly been feeling our way towards plans for this property that will allow us, and the barn is a part of that, that will allow us to welcome more people in new ways. I mean, it really does hark back to our last episode where we unpacked this idea of invitation. That's right. It's not we, that you set this big right. goal, because if you had had no. goals, you wouldn't have had the small 
vegetable garden in the way of where you want a large exactly. parking lot. Exactly. But you just keep stepping into we what you stepping. feel are new invitations. We keep stepping. And the current, where the stepping stones are now, is that the old driveway that circles our house that is it's crumbling. It's not in good shape. Um, it does need to be repaired anyhow, but rather than simply repair it where it stands, we're realizing that it needs to be ripped up and it needs to be placed in a different part. And it needs to not circle the house, but just be in front of the house so that we can clearly show visitors, here's the front door and here's where you park your car. And that's something we just don't have here right now. It's a little bit confusing when you arrive. No one can ever find the front door. No one ever knows where to park. And the asphalt is pretty treacherous. And uh, when my children play or other children play in the backyard, sometimes big delivery trucks will kind of zoom through Mm. because there isn't this separation between backyard and front. So we had talked um, with a couple driveway companies and and recently had someone come out and he marked out where he felt like this is really where the driveway should be. And this is probably the best place to, to park because your cars. Because when this house was built, there weren't cars driving right, through. There would no, have been horse carriages pulling exactly. through and they would have made deliveries in the back of the exactly. house. And, and when this was a farm, it made sense. Right, because it was you needed, functional in that you way. You needed to access the barn in the back. and But that's no longer how we use the property. So what we're trying to do is to literally like pave the way for using this home in new ways and Mm. being able to welcome really even with the driveway, even with the asphalt we lay down or the paths we lay down, that those would say welcome. So that means that the best place I think for, for us to park and for our guests to park, our overnight guests to park is in that exact spot where the vegetable garden is. And, you know, I think God, we're prepared for these things. So this stepping stone didn't just plop down right in front of me, but actually months ago, um, a friend was here and he he's just a friend of the family, but he's a landscape designer by trade. And so when he's here, he often has fun with us, just giving us ideas and talking about changes we might make. And I remember him standing next to the vegetable garden one day and saying, do you always want the garden to be here? And, really? and I thought, uh, what? Yes, of course. <laughs> But he said, he said, okay, that's fine. I, I was just thinking that this is probably, if the garden weren't here, this is probably where your parking should be. But okay, we'll figure it out over here. And he he knew, he, he's a friend, so he quickly yeah. moved on. And he, he wasn't was gonna, sacred ground. He wasn't yes. going to push me on that. And yet that was months ago, and that was a little seed planted. Hmm. And so when this other gentleman came the other day and, and, and said essentially the same thing, I was ready. You weren't surprised by it. I wasn't it. surprised. And also, kind of lovely little grace note is that my husband built the garden now five years ago. And over the summer, I had noticed while I was in it that the the wood we used for the raised beds was starting to decay in places and was not as strong as it needed to be. And I had already said to myself, okay, this fall needs to, we need to really rebuild this garden. We need Mm. to shore it up if it's going to have a future. And so that's a lot of work too, but I knew, okay, that's the work of the fall. Well, then as we've decided to step into redoing the driveway in order to welcome more people, I realized, oh, it's not rebuild the garden, it's remove the garden. Wow, yes. Now, I would not be able to do this if I thought we would never again have Have a vegetable garden. garden. But Um, you might skip a season. We might, yeah. We might not have one next summer as we sort of wait for the new shape of the land to, to reveal itself and for us to really make sure that we're putting it in the right spot. It might be a smaller garden. I have learned 
over these years, just how much what work it takes to maintain. And <laughs> But it's a beautiful yeah. concept because this idea that, and when we see it, and you teach me this, when I, when I see the world through your eyes and I look at seasons and I look at the ebb and flow of growth and decay that you see in, in the trees, in land, in the vegetable garden itself, that something always has to die for something new to be born. There's mm-hmm. that sense that something has to go That's right. to make room for something else. Right. What I love about this is it isn't just that you want a new driveway that isn't falling apart, but that you actually want to make more space mm-hmm. to invite people mm-hmm to participate here, to do life here, as we've shared online and as we've read comments from so many listeners who want to be able to come and visit mm-hmm. at the Black Barn. Yeah, I this mean, is that, a part of that. That's I, it, if, right? If I want people to come to the barn and join us here. They need somewhere to park. They need somewhere to park. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite things about being part of an online community is how I'm constantly learning new artistic original ways to approach the Word of God. And one of the things I love so much about the Encourage Devotional Bible is that it specifically has Bible journaling space, devoted specifically for this incredible new movement of Bible journaling. And I don't know when last you've looked at the hashtag, for example, of Illustrated Faith to see how people are interpreting God's Word through artistic journaling. So I love that the CSB has space for Bible journaling, and I love that Lifeway, as they partnered with Encourage in dreaming up this particular version of the Bible at Lifeway stores, both at Lifeway.com as well as in your local Lifeway store, have all kinds of beautiful products to support you in your new Bible journaling habits. So for example, I'm holding in my hand this gorgeous sea green Bible organization bag, space for your Bible, space for your journaling pens, pencils, watercolors. Stop by your nearest Lifeway store or go to lifeway.com to check out the CSB Encouraged Devotional Bible, as well as all the Bible journaling products your heart could ever dream of. Lisa Joe, the first time I did any kind of artistic journaling like that was at something called Refine Retreat. And this is what I want to spotlight today. The writer Chris Camille has created the annual Refine Retreat, and it's a gathering for creative Christian women. I attended last year. I'm going to attend again this spring, and there are still tickets on sale. So I would love for some of our listeners to check it out. It may be just for them. So in the show notes today, we will have links both to the Encourage Bible, to the Bible journaling products you can get at Lifeway stores, as well as to try and check out, maybe not even for this year, maybe for next, the Refine Retreat. So in essence, you're just, you're growing something new because it's easy to think of a parking lot as the full stop at mm-hmm. the end of the sentence, mm-hmm. but it isn't. Right. It really is you're fertilizing in a new way, which is strange to mm-hmm. think of it that way. You're building a parking lot so that people can come. What a wonderful idea that this is you're literally laying down the invitation, <laughs> the, wel- <laughs> the welcome mat on That's the true. floor. That's true. But oh my goodness, the loss that it takes sometimes. It is a loss. Yeah, there is a price to pay and, and it requires letting go of something very significant. Of course, when we built that garden, I thought it was forever and ever and yes. ever. Amen. Yes. I couldn't have conceived 
conceived of doing that much work and I mean, tending the soil of those beds and making it better and better, richer and richer every year. I could only do that because in my own head, it would be forever. (laughs) Right. That you're invested that way. And I love, it's one of the things I've loved so much about your new book, Placemaker, that comes out next year is you've talked often about how making place for something and, and really the work of the gardener is being willing to know it's not forever. Yeah. Right. That it's a season that you're investing in a space, an area, a plot of land, a city, Mm -hmm. a zip code, Mm -hmm. but I might not be here forever. Is it still worth it? So that's my question to you, knowing that this garden is now Uh. ripped up. And I know how John Sweat laying those boxes, you know, when he was building those boxes and putting up the fence was when I was sitting upstairs here in the attic bedroom oh, writing the last chapters of Surprise by Motherhood. Right. And I would come down to check on the progress and I could oh. hear him hammering out there during the day. And I remember him saying, is it distracting you? Is the noise too loud? That's right. And me saying, no, no, it, I feel like you're keeping me company. You're mm-hmm. doing your work of creating and I'm doing my work of creating. So I feel very attached to the garden in that sense yeah. too because I was there at its conception. That's right. But now, you know, if you had known then... All this that we're laying, all this beauty and creativity poured in here, that it's all going to literally get torn up by the roots. Mm -hmm. Is it worth it? Oh, that is the question. And actually hearing you share that memory brings the question home even more powerfully. That might be, I haven't cried about the garden yet, but (laughs) that might be the thing that brings the tears. I remember that day. Because now I I can go back to that moment so much more viscerally, the building of it, the creating of it. So I have thought about this. I thought about it as I was cutting back rose canes and digging out the very few plants that it was possible to move. And it wasn't many. And watching my sons out there with weed whackers, weed whacking my strawberry plants (gasps) just because it was, we had to get rid of them. So I was thinking about it. If I could go back. And I was also thinking, did we make a mistake? Mm. Were we wrong to plant our garden here? Were we foolish to pour so, I'm so much effort? I'm so glad you asked those questions yeah, too, because I yeah. often think that in seasons of my life, like where there's a radical change in the plan, and then it makes you question everything, everything. that came before. Did I get it yeah. wrong? Am I really stupid? Did I not hear God correctly? Did I waste yeah. all that time and energy and passion? Yeah. So I was asking myself that. And they aren't easy questions to answer, and I'm still um, feeling my way toward comfortable answers. But I know we weren't wrong. I know that was a very good place for a garden. It's protected over there. The sunlight is good. It's a great place for a garden. I learned so much in that garden because I'd never had a big garden of my own before. Uh, So this was my first big garden. And so I learned about gardening and raised beds. I learned about growing all kinds of different things that I'd never grown before because I had the space to do it. I learned how overwhelming gardening can become and that maybe I had bitten off a little bit more than I could chew. I learned how to make pickles. I learned how to can tomatoes, all kinds of things because of that garden. And for how we've used this home for six years, that was the best place for the garden. I can't think of another spot in the yard Mm. where it would have made more sense for us to dig in and do it because how we've used the yard in all kinds of ways continues to, to change. And and, um, so I don't think we're wrong. I think the harvest that we gathered from that garden are It's a kind of abundance that will go on. Like Mm. we will be like that garden will still, still bear fruit. I think in my life, in this home for the rest of my life, because Mm. of what I learned and experienced and what we accomplished there. But the sad truth is it was much easier to tear it down. It was much quicker 
to tear oh, it down so and it was to build yes. it. Building things, making things is hard. Yes. But I'm also encouraged to say that it means that emotionally it's very difficult to tear things down, mm. but physically it's not it's not the same labor. So, right. so almost in, you know, less than a day, we had most of it torn out. So that it's, means when it's time to make space, that's a, that's a job we can do. We can good. clear the ground, we can make space and the really hard work of building and creating and letting new things grow. I feel like, well, that's God's job. Right? <laughs> and he, I can leave that to him. Like we're not responsible for every new, for drawing those plants out of the ground, yeah. you know, someone else has got that under control. So it's a mixed bag of feelings, honestly. It is the strangest thing how sometimes, you know, this is a good thing you're making space for. Yes, I imagine, you know, Two years from now, you and I will be having conversations about how amazing it is to see all the people walking yeah. through the doors of the barn yeah. and how those cars represent a whole kind of different harvest right. over there. And how I hope we'll all also troop through the vegetable garden planted in a different yes, part I hope so. <laughs> of, of the yard. But right now, I mean, all we have, and we will share this for those of you who get our email behind the scenes, we always love to share a few sneak peeks. So if you're not getting those emails, make sure you go to outoftheordinary.com and sign up for our weekly emails. We love to share little extra bonus bits. And so when I pulled up and I saw the trash, that is what it is now, a pile of trash, I took photos immediately and said to Christy, they're not going to believe us. I have to take photos of this. And then I said, you took photos of the vegetable garden too, right? Like you have photos of the good version of this. But it's that kind of stretching is how it feels to me, that we're stretching into new growth opportunities that God is giving us. And while I am not a gardener, that is not what I have grown. The three things I have grown most successfully, but also most unexpectedly in my life have been these three very loud children that we are raising. And <laughs> I have often talked in previous episodes about my resistance to motherhood. I really did. I I didn't plan to be a mother. I never dreamed of being a mother. I didn't imagine what my children would be like. I didn't name them. I didn't talk about if they'd be boys and girls. I just assumed I wouldn't be a mom. It, it was not part of my DNA at the time. And God was so tender and so patient with me because I do believe He's the God who names us significant apart from anything else, whether it's children or gardens or jobs or titles. But he is the God who, after he names us significant, everything else is a gift. It's a gift to us, a good gift. It's not an obligation. It's a gift. And he gave me the gift of children in the same way that you are trying to give the gift of welcome and space to people mm -hmm. coming into your life. But man, did it cost me. <laughs> Holy cow. I, I was so shocked by how disruptive motherhood was to my life. Mm. And I really do feel like all the parts of my life I loved were torn down, <laughs> were torn out by the roots. And so if you're someone who just took naturally to motherhood, I mean, good for you. That was not my story, though. I couldn't understand why this baby, I thought, let's put it this way. I thought having, being pregnant was like motherhood. Uh. And then once I had the baby, I would be glowy like the ladies in the magazines with my perfect hair <laughs> sprawled on a sofa with the infant cooing up at me. Like, I don't know why, but that is the <laughs> picture I had in my head. I did not imagine how little I would sleep or bathe. 
in the, <laughs> the first five months of motherhood. I couldn't believe how much I had to give up. Hmm. I resented this baby all the time that I couldn't just go to the movies if I felt like it. I couldn't just read a book until three in the morning because then I'd be too exhausted and have to get up again and nurse immediately at four, five, six, seven, and eight. I constantly felt interrupted. I had no time to myself. I hardly had thought to myself. Mm -hmm. My life was completely demolished. It felt like a baby drove a bulldozer through the middle of my life. (laughs) That's a great image. I honestly (laughs) felt that way and then gave zero in return. Nothing. (laughs) Like there was no, there's no like love in the beginning. Like anybody with breasts or a bottle would do is how it felt to me. And I kept wondering, when will this baby love me? When will this baby adore me? When will this baby (laughs) wrap its arms around me and say, I love you, mama? You know, like they're supposed to from the movies. And I realized, no, I just have to give and give and give. And it was very, very difficult for me. That first year of motherhood, I remember that his Jackson's first birthday party, I tell new moms all the time, but I mostly tell new dads, listen to me, that party is for her <laughs> more than for that baby. <laughs> because she survived. Just so you know, okay? Uh, she made it. I actually went so far as on Jackson's first birthday, we were actually in the States and Jackson had had his first birthday and then it was Peter's birthday. They followed quite closely. And so for Peter's birthday that year, I had this huge pile of presents. We were at his parents' house at all these gifts that were in front of him and we'd sung and we had cake. And then he reached out to start opening his presents. And I told him, no, 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 no. And I took the entire pile of gifts and I slid it over to his mother. And I said, these are all for you because his birthday should really be for you. (laughs) You're the one who did all the work. You're the one whose life got interrupted. You're the one who gave and gave and gave. And so this year, I am giving you. She laughed so hard that we all did. But it's because I realized after that first year, oh my goodness, motherhood really is about a you're breaking yourself open in just every possible way. And in many ways, you're breaking up with yourself, all these parts of your life you used to love in order to make room, to Mm. make room for somebody else. And it's difficult. And I didn't realize how selfish I was until there was this other human being I was forced to make room for in this way. And of course, of course, it's grown to be so beautiful and so rewarding in so many ways. But there are still days mm-hmm. at the end of long days where you feel that breaking. You feel it over and over again as your kids get older and they stretch and grow into the teenage years. You experience that breaking in a whole different, different kind of way. But... It's always making room for more, Mm. more of who they are, more intimacy with them, more relationship with them. And it continues to surprise me how rewarding it is. Mm. But you're right. There are days when you look out and you just see piles of trash. I mean, literally, (laughs) it still feels that way sometimes when I look at all the soccer cleats and the football pads just piled all down the hallway. Yes. But it's worth it. I think most of the time it is. It is, but the the process is messy. It's really messy. So when you look out the window now, what comes next? What does next look like? Because really there's a pile of trash and then there is yellow spray paint on the grass outlining a parking lot. It's true. It's going to get a whole lot uglier before we approach anything like beauty. Mm. We have a lot of green grass right in front of the house and we're going to dig that up Mm. and lay down asphalt and gravel And 
that's not something I value. (laughs) (laughs) I value grass and green growing things and beauty. So even I think the next few steps will be difficult. And yet in being given a vision and a glimpse as we have of inviting people to the barn and doing things together, I'm keeping my eyes on that. Right. I guess I th- that's it. I'm keeping my eyes on on a uh, sort of far off vision in a hopeful way. And I think what's been helpful for me to remember too, when I think about God inviting us into new things, I think sometimes there's a temptation to think because God invited, it will be easy. Right. right? Like this is from God, so it should be simple. It should right. be easy. And if it isn't, I feel like I'm doing it wrong. And I felt that way about parenthood for a long time. It is so hard. Ergo, I must be a bad mother. Hmm. But what I'm learning about God is he is a good gardener and Hmm. he understands what it takes to thrive for his beloved children to thrive and how he is constantly weeding and cutting back and pruning and moving and rearranging the garden of our lives. And in ways that sometimes, while it might seem clear what the long-term vision is, the immediate right now, my life can just feel like a pile of junk. Like, there are days where it does. It feels messy. It feels unsettled, unclear, painful, uncomfortable. And I can start to wonder, how did did I get here? What's Mm -hmm. happening? Mm -hmm. You know, where am I trying to go from here? Because if you just arrived at your house now and you had no context... Right, you yeah. would just think, what are they doing? They're yeah. just creating a big old mess there where there just used to like be a, beauty, a junkyard. We've traded beautiful lush garden for a, a little junkyard. Right? Yeah, that's very sad. And, and yet we and know yet, yes. there's more to it because you know there's a, a story. Vision. There's a story here, and uh, we're trying to plot ourselves along to what comes next, and we know it's going to have a good ending. But yeah, we're in that messy middle, and I just. I'm so grateful for the literal living metaphor outside the window here because I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to hold on to that picture that reminds me that just because I'm walking through a really crazy, disruptive, painful season. I mean, John had to pull up the stakes he himself mm-hmm. had put into the ground. For anyone living through a season where you've had to pull up and say goodbye to things that you love and that are dear to you and that are questioning, oh my goodness, am I making the worst mistake? Or is God making the worst mistake here? It's just really encouraging to be reminded, but this is what growth often looks like. Making room for new things requires a degree of chaos that we are going to just, I'm not going to say like accept. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like more often for me, it's a matter of resigning myself to it. (laughs) But that it, but that it's, that it tells its own story. It really does tell its own story. So part of what we love, what we've really loved about the podcast is on Instagram, getting an opportunity to see your photographs that are tagged with out of the ordinary podcast, because it gives us glimpses into your own lives. And there's one I wanted to share today. Christy and I were looking at it and just thought, oh my goodness, this so perfectly speaks into the conversation we're having today about what does it mean to make space in the middle of your life for the unexpected, right? Knowing that it's serving a bigger, more beautiful end goal. And so we will have this photo again in our email for our behind the scenes friends. But this is from Martha Kimball. She has a the sweetest photo of a tiny little pumpkin by itself on the table on a fall banner in the background. And she wrote, I had a lot of plans for today to celebrate the first day of fall, the autumn equinox, my favorite time of year. But 
My three-year-old woke up me up at 4 a.m. with a raging fever, and my infant woke me up again at 5 a.m. for a feeding. Brandon is working a second Saturday in a row, so it feels like two straight weeks without a break, and coffee is not making much of a dent. So, instead of apple orchards and garden work, we hung a cheap autumn banner from Target, and the kids will paint little pumpkins, and I may muster up a pumpkin custard for dessert, but... I'm holding all my plans loosely. That's beautiful. And I think that's what you're doing with your vegetable garden and I do in motherhood. And really, if we're honest, what we do in life, we hold our plans loosely to make room because you just don't know what's going to grow next. 